Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome to Explore the Space and welcome to episode 135. My guest in this episode is Claudia Cannell and Claudia joins us after she and I connected on social media when she tweeted an amazing story, a wartime experience that she had when she served as a medic in the United States Army. In 2004, she was assigned to Company C of the 501st Forward Support Battalion, which was part of the 1st Armored Division, and she was forward deployed in combat in Baghdad. She is one of the first women in history to receive the Combat Medical Badge, and it's an incredible story. We connected around it on social media when she shared a letter that one of the former guests on Explore the Space, Mark Hurtling, had written to her grandfather when she received the award because her grandfather had received a similar award during his time as a medic in the Second World War. Claudia and I connected very quickly. This is an extraordinary story. She is brave, tough. She is an amazing leader, and this is a remarkable episode. I'm really proud that Explore the Space can showcase Claudia's story here. Before we get to the episode, I would like to invite all of you to please take a look at the archive as well. You can go to www.explorethespaceshow.com. The whole archive is there. You can find me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can find me on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. And you can find Explore the Space on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're there on all of them. Please be sure to subscribe. We've got lots of great content coming. And please be sure to leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps the show out. If you have the opportunity to do that rating and a review, it is much appreciated. This is a wonderful episode. You'll also find that in the show notes, there is a link to a Stars and Stripes article that was published on March 23rd of 2004 that discusses Claudia's award. And she's interviewed in the article, and there's a picture of Mark Hurtling in this article as well, and I would encourage all of you to take a look at that. So without further ado, Claudia Cannell. Claudia, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm delighted, first, at how quickly this came together, and second, just proud and excited to speak with you and and to learn about your exploits. No, well, um, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Shapiro, for reaching out and making this thing happen. So I'm very um, honored to be a guest on your show. So we connected just a couple of days ago. We connected recently when you shared a very personal story of your exploits on Twitter. And I understand that you are fairly new to social media. And from there... Mark Hurtling, who's a retired general, who you just shared with me, was your general, amplified it. Yes. Mark and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. He's been on Explore the Space a couple of times. Let's go back to the – I always like to start from the beginning. So let's go back to the early 2000s. Let's go back to March of 2004. Where were okay. you in your life at the beginning of the year 2004? March 2004, like, um, going back, and I, uh, yes, I was still in Iraq. I was still in Baghdad, Iraq, and I was a young woman. <laughs> I'm still a young woman at heart, but older now, and just new to active duty military and um, starting my career off as a medic. 
So I was deployed to OIF-1, and there I was. So you went to Iraq. When you got there, did you know that you were going to be going into combat? Did did your training get you ready? Because at that point, and please correct me if if I'm wrong, my understanding was that women had not been forward deployed in ground combat up to that point. If I'm saying that incorrectly, I trust that you'll correct me. But give me a sense of that context of, of, as a woman who's in the army, you've trained as a medic. Did you have a sense of what was about to happen? Hmm. This is a, it's not a straightforward answer. So um, I'll give it my best shot. I don't think any amount of training can prepare you for the real things that you're going to see in war. But did we train um, to deal with, you know, things like gunshot wounds, amputations, et cetera, like that? Yes. So we, as medics, knew and went through over and over training with these things. We weren't told that we were like, hey, you know, you're going to be going in the streets in Baghdad or anything like that, riding along with, you know, um, infantry units or an armor um you know, um, no, they didn't tell us that. I, I thought that I was just going to be like a medic waiting at the aid station for patients to come in, you know? So, um, when did that, that change like, for you? When did you realize that instead of being in an aid station during a time of war, treating people who had been wounded in combat or shot and suffered combat related trauma, that you were actually going to be out on the street, that you were going to be you know, moving with, a, with, with, with an armored unit through the streets of Baghdad. I think it, it hit us all pretty much in, like as soon as they said, Hey, we're going, you know, we're, we're heading to Iraq. Let's go. Yeah. Um, because there's no quote unquote front lines anymore. And if I can reference back to uh, what kind of all started this uh, with my grandfather in World War II, there was kind of, you know, this section is for the allies or this section is for, you know, this part. But then when Baghdad came up, it's, there is no front line. There is no, okay, this is area for like, you know, women only or anything like that. So it kind of like really hit us. And we were, uh, I recall, we were told, hey, a lot of you guys are going to be sent out and attached, that's what I call you, getting attached, attached to combat arm unit. We're like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and... Did you have a sense of, did you have a sense that as a woman who was going to be attached as a medic to a combat arms unit, did you have a sense that this would be something historical? Did anybody talk about that? Was that, did that change the mindset? Was that even on your mind at the time? No, it wasn't. It it really wasn't. Like, I was just more of, I I can't speak for, like, everybody else, but, you know, for myself, personally, like, I was like, all right. <laughs> what can I do? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, um, like, these are, you know, hello. You know, a, a lot of, uh, they're heavier than me. They're, you know, okay, what can I use? Where's, what? Like, I need to get in touch with, um, like, who's going to be, like, 
the platoon leader, the platoon sergeant. I need to know where their guys are. What, you know, where do they want me? And like when we're heading into, um, you know, if the guys are going in to like in raids or things like that, where do you want me to be? What, yeah. like, who's who, who's manning, you know, I need to know like where my guys are positioned in. And that's, that's what I had to focus on. It wasn't like, okay, I'm like a female and I'm just going to, no, I wasn't even, that wasn't even really on my mind. I was just really concerned about the guys. What can, and what in that, can I need to make sure that I can do? That in that I moment, did you them. feel like they cared one way or the other? Or did they just know and trust in your skills as a medic to help take care of them if they needed you? I don't, huh. I don't think right away, because obviously uh, it was more new to them. Uh-huh. Or, hey, there's <laughs> kind of reminds me of, you know, like a side quote over here of um, that the Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast, when Belle's going, there's a girl in the castle. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I do. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like that. They're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? This what? You're the medic? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, kind of like, oh, okay. But after, like, literally, like, in, out, all right, that's, you know. Okay, that's our medic. That's our medic. That's our doc. And afterwards, I think right away, uh, like obviously, you like they sense like, oh, can we trust her? But I think after a couple incidents and things like that, they're like, yeah, we can trust her. Yeah, (laughs) she's our doc. So let's go through that process a little bit. Do you remember the first time you came under fire? Do you remember the first time you had someone? call out and say that they needed, they needed the doc, they needed the medic to come under fire to come and get them. I do. I do. And this was OIF one. And when you say OIF, like, do you mean operation Iraqi freedom? Yes, that's okay. correct. OIF. Oh yes. Operation Iraqi. I would say that the profession and, uh, of medicine and the, and being in the army, we are probably both the best at having acronyms and abbreviations that nobody <laughs> else understands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, and, uh, military and like medical personnel, we just, we're just full of acronyms. You are, you are double, you yeah, are double stacked. We have our own language. <laughs> totally. That's right. So, okay. So take us back. Now you, you were just kind of starting to walk us through this first time that you remember going out and, and being under fire and being in this position of going out to render aid it, it, during combat. I do. I do remember. Um, and we were just going on patrol and like I said, it's, um, OIF, our, uh, operation, I reckon freedom one. And I was sitting behind our our smoke and smoke is attorneys for um, E7 in the military, Sergeant first class in the military. Okay. But smoke specifically is for artillery. Um, I was sitting behind him and our Humvee and he's on the radio um, with the headset. So I can't really hear what they're saying here, but I remember him turning to me and saying, Hey doc, you ready? And I just shook my head. Like I rem- I do remember like my heart, like my head skipped a beat or two or three. Hey. Um, but then I was like, yes. 
And I just remember saying yes to him. I remember him, hey, Doc, you're ready. And he looked at me in my eyes like, okay, you're ready. And again, and I like, I looked at uh, my A bag. Like, I just uh, did a quick little search. Like, okay, just making sure, like, what I don't know what we're coming up to. And okay. And there we go. And um, it was an IED blast. And that was just, yeah. And then you just got to work. Got to work. Did you feel like... (laughs) It's it's difficult for me. To, I, I remember in my medical training, there are certain things that stick with me. They're not always the first things that I saw, participated in, was a part of. Was that moment or are there other moments where you were working alongside soldiers who'd been shot, who'd been blown up, who'd been wounded in combat that stick with you? Or were there moments where you felt like this is something that's going to just be a part of my life's legacy? Or were you not thinking about it in those terms at that point? Is that is that maybe a little bit too lofty when you're actually out there under fire? <laughs> I, I thank you so much for saying that. Because <laughs> I was like, you know what? I I definitely was not thinking that at a time yeah. whatsoever. And um, at all. And I just recently retired from the military. And, and it's taken, is taken me a long time and you just kind of put it I've kind of just put it away in like in a box you know locking that little box and and it's not it wasn't until like years later like years later that it kind of like unfortunately started coming out different ways that I needed to look at that and be like wow I did that, you know? Wow. And there were a lot of moments. I I don't think there was, I, well, there's, I think there's one moment that I think that maybe that's what you're, there's there's so many moments, there's so many images that it's, sometimes I thought, like, wow, is that a movie or was that real, you know? But there's one moment um, where one of our guys um, was, in an ID and we like we just had a but I I can't even I'm sorry excuse me but no I mean it's it's hard and it's still hard and I think it will it's, always be hard yeah so when you asked me the uh one thing that I do remember that stuck with me and still sticks to me can I tell you that of course yeah it's um when we got called out in uh, one of the calls that uh, we went out to on patrol and we had to, and IED went off. And it, I know who he is, you know, because we were together in uh, a field artillery. That's what I was in. I feel attached to a field artillery unit. Um, I remember he, he got so blown up, you know, place a tourniquet on him and we were like, all right, come on, let's move, you know, and had my guys help me carry him because I, but then I stopped and I was like, wait. And I ran back and uh, Dr. Shapiro, I put his hands in my pocket, in my cargo pocket. 
I grabbed his hand. I remember it's in my right cargo pocket. And I placed his hand in, in the back, um, you know, from the street. You uh, like, you know, they put him in the back and, you know, literally throw this poor guy. You, you're, you're not worried about right there. And then you, you can't worry about C-spine or, you know, you know. And they just, you pretty much... The medic and the patient is thrown back, like, hey, gotta go. And we got, I I can't really remember, but I just remember, like, after, like, finally reaching, um, you know, you go from the street to um, the aid station or the first level. Um, and I remember we're dropping off, I'm, I'm briefing, um, the docs there, there's OR, there's surgeons, there's people there, and I'm briefing them in a room. And I was like, in his hand, his hand is in my pocket. <laughs> I just remember that. And yeah, that's the one, I don't know why, but that just always sticks with me. Because I'm just like, there is the hand. It's somebody, and now that I have children, you know, I have boys, I, um, I look at them and, you know, they fall asleep or they're, when they were born and that's always their, their baby hand, you know, grasping their baby, like their little fingers. And, and I don't know, maybe it, I always thought about that even when they're my, like, my boys are born. I was like, that's somebody's baby, you know? Oh, I, I appreciate you sharing as much as you've been able to share. Yeah. And I want to be respectful of the work that you're doing on a personal level to process what you went through. And I would like to kind of shift gears a little bit, recognizing that you did what you did. My admiration, and I would imagine the admiration, clearly the admiration of all of those who saw what you put on Twitter yesterday. You've, you've done exceptional things. You've, you've walked a path of bravery and courage, and I would imagine fear, and, and I will thank you, and I will also just share that I think it is truly remarkable. I'd like to move, though, to this moment where you received a commendation for the work that you did for being a medic who, went out, who was under fire. You received the combat medical badge. Can you give us a description of what, what is the combat medical badge? Okay. So um, the combat medical badge is, stands for CMB initials. Um, Another acronym. Thank you for defining it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's given to medics that, treat patients under fire while receiving enemy fire. So you have a patient, your friend, your fellow soldier is injured and you're treating them, helping them, whatever you can do to help them live while you're, you're still activities going on in the surrounding area. You're not firing back. You're not, you know, you're, that's 
your purpose right there and then. So that's the standing. When were you informed that you were going to be awarded the CMB and that the 19 other medics who received it alongside you in March of 2004, when were you informed that this was going to happen? Because it sounds like up until my understanding from the research that I did was that up until 1991, being eligible for the award was reserved for field medics who uh, had accompanied infantry into battle. You had been serving with armor. At what point were you informed that you were going to be awarded the the CMB, the Combat Medical Badge? Can we rewind a little bit? Not how about not informed? How about when did we hear that our fellow male soldiers were getting that? You know that. Please share that. Absolutely. That's a that's a different perspective that I did not anticipate. Yeah. So we were told about that. So it stirred a lot of emotions. Like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, you know. I'm doing the exact same thing. And um like I do remember, like um, I was doing, I was actually back at the East for a little while, um, and they they send the medics back in to um, resupply, you know, getting new bandages, everything, you know, everything needed, tourniquets, why not? And they were like, hey, I think that you guys are getting the CMB. We're like, what? Wow. <laughs> like who? What? When? You know? And. This is you know, that, that like way above my level. Yeah, I'm just a, just a, you know foot soldier <laughs> medic riding around. That that way you no way of knowing any of that. But um, so what I'm hearing is that at first you heard that men were getting it and you were not, and that that caused some frustration and sadness, feeling like hey, I'm doing the exact same work, and then later on you were told. By the you know sort of it, what it sounds like almost in an offhanded way when you're there to refill your medical bag. By the way, you're also getting the combat medical badge. Is that am I here? Am I understanding the story correctly? Yes, that's correct. That is an emotional and shift of some drama. It's yeah, right. Like wait, what? What? Like what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're like, they're like, yeah, there's like. A general is going to fly in, you know. What? That's just, you know, like, a general coming to talk to little us. And, yeah. So, what, like, I, the, what most stood out about that, like, ceremony, uh, and then they, they pulled us back, um, meaning, like, they called us from our post that we were attached to, uh, to come back. Um, and for the ceremony is being held, and um, like what I liked about that ceremony too, that it was just it was both of us. It was male and female uh, medics in the same formation, you know, together receiving awards, not just like the guys. It was us too, and I remember that big time. Like, what? Like this? This is crazy. Like. This you know, that, like I remember feeling proud and just like okay, and and like it's, it's, it's you know uh, from the article, 
um, that it meant so much. Even not even more, not even being a witness of female medics or having like myself female medics, but it's just like um, it touched a lot with because of my grandfather and he had his uh, combat medical badge. So I learned about this and, connection yesterday. So so talk us through what that must feel like. And and I ask this so you're aware. I'm a physician. My dad was a physician. He's now retired. His father, my grandfather, was a physician. So this idea of walking in the footsteps of those who came before us is very meaningful for me. So your grandfather yeah. received the same the same medal, the same commendation that you received. Yes. Yes, he did. And he, during World War Two, and like, I think it brought us together. And well, no, I no, I don't think that. I know that it did. And that was amazing. I read somewhere. I I can't remember where. Honestly, I'm I'm a book nerd, so. Um, but I remember. Something like um, that after three generations, you're you're forgotten after three generations. And I was like, that's really sad, you know? We're not going to forget a grandpa. And I think that's one of the things that I, I can pass off to, like, my children, you know? Be like, hey, now, this is, you remember, you can't just say, hey, your mom was in the military, you know? Or I was like, he was like, well, yeah, my great-grandfather and you know did you was your great was your grandfather's experience did that inform your desire to want to join the military in the first place no not at all because um he never talked about it oh wow okay um he mentioned about it and obviously there's like a pictures that that at his home um but about the war about things and um, I'm actually happy that you brought that up because um, I think that when I went back home and especially during hard times but no my grandfather he didn't talk about his experiences or anything Um, and I'm the only grandchild his grandchildren uh, that joined the military and I did show him, uh, I do remember this and I, like, I, it's so important to me that I remember he was sitting in his office and I was like, Hey, grandpa, I got to show you something, you know? <laughs> and he's like, what is this? You know? And I was like, my, he's like, I know this. Where did you get this? What? Wow. <laughs> you know? And this was after, uh, uh when I was on leave from uh, Iraq and he's like close the door and I'm like all right and and my father can vouch for this um we talked we talked and he was like wow grandpa told you that and I was like yeah and I actually told him (laughs) locations of where he had um like pictures and things like that and I want this, this is so important, that my grandfather was also one of the first medics attending Holocaust survivors. Wow. wow. 
And we talked for a very long time and um, grandma and nobody, they like, they, like, I was just like, I remember like coming out of like the office after we talked and, and they were kind of quiet looking like, okay, what's it, you know, but they're okay. Like the moment when they're talking, but I think it was honestly good for him. And he told me a lot of things that he saw. And I told him a lot of things that I saw. And I think it was, it was, um, hmm. not only like, um, getting connected to a, a, like a grandfather and, you know, grandchild connection, but even in like, um, like in a medic connection, you know, it, it, it like, it really brought us together. And I was like, wow. And There's a different way of being able to speak to someone who has a shared experience. As a as a physician, I know that when I became a doctor and began having those sorts of experiences, my relationship with my dad changed. Uh, my grandfather had passed at that stage. But there is a language, there's a connectivity, especially around times of trial and sadness and grief and difficulty, where you, you there is a different language, right? It may not be acronyms we were joking about earlier, but there is a different language. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a different language that can be spoken that people who haven't done it and it's not a bad thing, but they won't, they won't fully grasp. Correct. Did your grandfather keep a memoir or did he do an oral history or anything like that? He did not, but he did, um, tell like I did, uh, you know, tell my father where he kept a lot of stuff when he, my grandpa passed away. And my grandpa told me, hey, tell your father. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, so there's, like, a, you know, pictures that I had taken, um, which we plan actually to give, uh, like, uh, to museums, um, because that's where they belong. And, yeah. You said that you just left the military recently, that you recently retired from service. Did you serve as a medic for the duration of your time in the military? Once a medic, always a medic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. But um, during the time, so sometimes when, the longer you are in the military, the uh, you, you're still a medic. You, you know, you go from like, you know, the soldier to squad meter to team sergeant to going up. Um, yeah, so instead of having, going from being on the ground with going on patrols, then later on through my deployments, and I went to four. Um, you were deployed four times? Yes, four times. 54 months. Um, I know I should have, like, invested in real estate or something. Like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you become, instead of being that, then... The longer you stay in the military, um, you become, your job changes a little bit. So now I find myself, you know, in Iraq again, but then a couple other times. Now I'm, I'm the one sending my, my soldiers to those patrols. And those are my soldiers heading out to these, um, 
COBS or FOBS. Those are um, over like operation bases um, in the military or like uh, in quote unquote layman term art. Civilian terms, there we go. They're outposts, they're infantry lines per se. There's no lines anymore. So now I've, I find myself sending them and keeping up with them and, okay, hey, what do they need when they come back? I, you know, what do you need? Let's get your bag together. Let's, yeah. Um, so you transitioned into a leadership role. Correct. What does the idea of medical leadership mean to you? And I ask this coming from a place of leadership in medicine and leadership in healthcare is something that we spend a lot of time on on this podcast. As I shared with you before, Mark Hurtling has joined me on this podcast on two separate occasions to talk about exactly that. I would love your perspective on what does leadership mean? in a medical environment from that perspective, what did that mean to you as you transitioned from being somebody who was forward deployed and, and out there on the street to now somebody who is doing the leading and sending those people forward? <sighs> Leadership is hard. It is hard. Um, It's easier, so much easier, you know, to follow than to get out there. What does it mean to me? It means, it means that I have to know who I am, what I am, in order to like be able to understand um, who my soldiers are, who they are and who they can be. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the things that, that I really think leadership stands for, you know? As you Reflect back now that you've retired. What does it mean to you that you got to participate in the healing side of this work? That you you were a medic, you were a doc. When when you hear me say that back to you, when you read articles about it, when you see people responding on social media as they have over the last couple of days, when you put your your information forward, how does that resonate for you? still healing um, a lot of my scars you know quote unquote scars they have healed and I still have those scars and I'm still going to be healing um, I just I'm slowly coming out and I think I, um, I've taken like a little hiatus in a way, you know, like I, I think I mentioned to you, I've never, you know, I've never even had Facebook. I, I still don't. I never will. But I had to go back a little bit because I was getting tired or almost a little burned out. 
and I had to go back and um, regroup. Um, and in the military, that's kind of like, you know, getting your shots together as you're getting your, with your weapon, you're shooting and you're, you're, you're shooting all over the place, but not in the, with the target. And I had to kind of step back and, okay, where am I? Who am I? I know who I am, you know, but, okay. Getting myself back together and, and going forward I'm I'm having a mixture of emotions listening to you describe this, and so I'm grateful to you that you're able to share as openly and frankly about where you are in your journey. Do you feel like taking care of other people will be part of your career going forward? Do you do you have a sense that this is this is you and this is in your DNA, or is it something that, given all that you've seen, all that you've been through, and your recovery process, do you think that it might be something that you'll pivot away from? It is part of me. And like I just told you, I, I like, um, after like I retiring and everything, you, yeah, retiring, that's, uh, yeah, that's something that you can add to your name, you know. But I also know that I led a couple, like, like a lot of soldiers, a lot of medics, and I'm still there for them. And it is just this is part of who I am. I can't hide it. I can't, you know. This is it, it is. I'm I'm regroup like I regrouped. I, I'm getting, you know. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm ready. What is my next chapter? I'm um, I finished my degree. I'm a science teacher. Um, I just moved here, so I'm not teaching right now. It's summertime, um, but. I'm, I remember another quote somewhere that stuck with me, and it said that the moment you stop being a leader is when soldiers don't come to you for advice. Something along that lines, I can't remember it completely, and that always stuck with me. And I've I haven't I've had the same you know cell phone number, email, forever, <laughs> hence the BK. And uh, so they know, hey, I'm here. And I've always, there's not a, like, there's not a week that I don't receive, like, a text message or something. Hey, is this Sergeant Kennel, you know, that or something. And then it, it is me, and I hope that I can influence younger people and turn on, like, all that hurt and pain and and things that I've seen and that I know that my grandfather had seen and experienced. Like, I want to turn that and be like, you know what? We, we can do something. And, and, and hopefully, like, reach younger people and be like, you know, you have this, this fire in you that you're meant to be doing good things. We can do this, you know, don't let the negativity, because there's a lot of it right now. Don't let that fire burn out. We, we got to keep going. So I, I, I don't know. I hope I really answered your question. Uh, that's an incredible, it's incredible to hear you speak like that and to, to hear those words from you. 
this has been a, a real honor to, to speak with you and, and learn about your experiences and to hear about the ways that you served your fellow soldiers and that you served our country. I'm incredibly grateful to you. And thank you for sharing on social media a couple of days ago. I get the sense that that was a journey in and of itself. And I and all of the people that responded are grateful. And I'll also share that I reached out to you and you replied very quickly and we got this episode together very quickly. So for all of those things, thank you so much. And this has been very, very special. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.